Good morning, Cross Point. It's good to see y'all this morning. Braving the weather, getting out in the cold. It's going to be warm this afternoon so we can enjoy some little warmth. <clears throat> whether you're here in person or whether you're checking in with us online, we are so, so blessed to have you choose to worship with us today. So we're glad you're here. We are already blessed by your presence. In a few minutes, I'm going to continue our time of prayer by praying for, first of all, another fellowship, as we did last week, praying for Chet Haney and for Holland Terrace Baptist Church. We're going to be doing the same thing this morning. Um, the report, the most recent report that I saw, Chet's still in the hospital. Last week, they actually took seven biopsies of the mass in his lung. They identified the kind of cancer, and apparently it's very, the type of cancer that's very um, it, it reacts positively to chemotherapy. So they're hopeful that this will work. He's in the hospital now. They're um, trying to decide exactly the kind of chemotherapy that they're going to, they're gonna, the treatment they're going to be doing. So we're going to be praying for Chet um, and his family and Holland Terrace Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're going to continue to pray for our new pastor as we continue to search for the man that God has in store for us to be our new Senior teaching pastor, we're praying for him, his family, and his current fellowship, and to prepare them for this transition as well. We're going to be praying for an unreached people group also. The Avar people group in Turkmenistan, right now that in Turkmenistan there's a population of about 900 of the Avar people, 100% Islam, 0% Christian and there's no evangelical outreach that's known in that, in that people group. So we're going to be praying that God would reach to that people. Then we're going to be praying for our time this morning as we continue in our study of 1 John. So join me in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we come before you this morning acknowledging your presence in this place. Not because of who we are, but because of the love that you have for us. Because of your holiness, the light that you provide to draw us to yourself. Father, I thank you for this people, the ability that we have to come and worship this morning, knowing that you're here, knowing that you will leave with us individually, that you're always with us. Father, well, I pray this morning for Chet Haney and his wife Terry and for the, the people at Highland Terrace Baptist Church. As Chet is going through this season of illness, um, well, he was three years free of cancer and now apparently, obviously, the cancer has returned. Father, you are still, still Jehovah Rapha. You are a God who heals. And Father, we pray this morning, unashamedly, that you would reach down and touch Chet and heal him completely of this cancer. Father, I pray for his family, that they would continue to be drawn into your presence to find your comfort and your peace. And Father, I pray for the people at Highland Terrace Baptist Church, that they would continue in their season of prayer for your guidance in that fellowship and for Chet's healing as well. Father, I also pray for our new pastor 
as our pastor search team continues to diligently work to find the right man that you have in store for us here at Cross Point. Father, we know you already have that man in mind. And Father, I pray that this transition, as it takes place, would be smooth. I also pray that it would be quick, <clears throat> that we would be ready, that this man would be ready, and for his current fellowship would be ready for him to leave their fellowship and to come here. Father, we trust you in that. Father, I also pray for the, for the Avar people group in Turkmenistan. Father, I pray that you would send a messenger to them, to one person, that they would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and that you would have already prepared that person's heart by the work of the Holy Spirit, that that would be a seed that would grow and multiply a thousand times so that the Avar people group would know the truth of who Jesus is and not lies from the world. And Father, again, I pray for our time this morning as we continue in this study of the book of 1 John. Holy Spirit, please lead us into the truth of this word and help us apply it to our lives to make a difference, not just in this time that we're here together, but as we leave the rest of this day and then the rest of this week. Father, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. <clears throat> All right, now, last week we focused on 1 John 1, 4 and examined that statement so that our joy may be complete. We saw in Scripture, back up in just one verse before that, one of the ways that our joy is complete is to have fellowship with the Lord, with the Father, have fellowship with the Son, and then have fellowship with one another. Fellowship. Now that, that word just seemed to pop up all week long. And it may have always done that in my just circle of influence and friends. But after last week, it just seemed that that word was constantly being spoken. And not, not just by me, but by others. It's a verification that God is working in us and around us to help us see the truth that He desires a relationship with us. This word fellowship is going to show up again this morning. And spoiler alert, it's going to continue to show up through this study of 1 John. It's there. It's there. It's real. And it's something that God desires. This morning, we're going to be looking at the biblical evidence of the holiness of God. Because if we are going to have fellowship with God, the Father, we need to know who He is. And the place that we must start in examining who God is, is to examine the key attribute of God, and that is His holiness. So this morning we're going to be reading in the book of 1 John, we're going to look at the first five verses for context. So if you're able, I would ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. 
in 1 John 1, verse, beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and is with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him, that is Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Have you ever deeply contemplated the concept and the fact of light and darkness? It may not be something that you sit around and just do occasionally, but it's something we're going to do this morning. There's lots of examples in our very existence of light and dark. Some people are afraid of the dark. They don't like the dark. But as our sons and daughter-in-laws have reflected on Ken and I, they refer to us as bats. Because at night, we keep the lights really low in our house. <laughs> They're like, can y'all not turn on some lights? Well, we know where everything is. We don't need all that light. But I've never been afraid of the dark. I've, I've been able to walk into, really all of my life, a building that I'm familiar with, and I won't turn on the light until I get all the way through. I remember going to Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and I had an office there for, you know, for about three years, and I'd go in at night, and I wouldn't turn on any lights, and I would walk, and I'd turn and go down the hallway, and I'd go to my office, and I'd open the door, and then I would turn my light on. You know, and Kendra went in with me one day, and we were about halfway down the hall, and she said, are you going to turn on any lights? Well, I will in a minute. You know, I didn't need them until that point. So I've, darkness has never bothered me. But a number of years ago, I experienced true darkness. Now, I've, I've been a scuba diver since the early 80s, and I love to dive. So a number of years ago, I was working on my, my advanced certification as a scuba diver. One of the tasks that I had to complete was to do a night dive. Ah, that's a completely different animal, I've got to tell you. And we were, at, we were at Lake Whitney, which is not a real diver-friendly lake. It's got, on its best days, four to six foot visibility. And on most days, it's like six inches. <laughs> so we would go after midnight for our night dive. So the silt had kind of settled out a little bit, and so we had four to six feet visibility. So we went down 25 feet. One of the tasks that I had to do, my dive, dive instructor was with me, <clears throat> and I got down to 25 feet and adjusted my buoyancy so that I didn't go up or go down, and then I had to turn my light off. He turned his light off, and I had to do a 360-degree spin. And when I felt like I had finished that spin, I would turn the light back on. So I did that, and I, I had to do all that without panicking, obviously. 
So as I did my spin and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm fully back around, I turned my light on and I had my first experience with a tree snake. <laughs> now, a tree snake is simply a limb. <laughs> but when you see it with your flashlight coming, out of you, coming at you out of darkness, it's a snake. <laughs> and the dive master was already... He was already prepared for my scream through my regulator, which I did, and then I could hear him laughing through his regulator. <laughs> but that's a picture of darkness, folks. There was no moon that night, so there was no light. There was no light going into the water, and just the density of the water and just the amount of, of particles in the water, at 25 feet down, there's no light complete darkness that's the picture that's being painted in 1 John 5 5 it's the light God is light in him there is no darkness at all I've done a number of night dives since then and it's always the same thing you turn the light off and it's just dark you turn the light on and you can see there's a real, and no pun intended, but there's a visual picture of that. For us to see the darkness in our lives, we must have light. And that light is God. So we're going to examine this light in God today. This theme will be coming back to us in weeks to come as we continue this study. Now last week, again, we saw in Scripture where John reminds us that we have a blessing as followers of Jesus Christ to have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with one another. Remember, we're given a blessing of fellowship and we're not given what we deserve. Because what do we deserve? We deserve an eternal separation from God. As human beings, that's what we deserve. But because of the light that is in God, and He desires a relationship with us, He provides that light. Now in the very next verse, in verse 5, we're going to see where we're given insight into the very nature of God where it says that God is light, <clears throat> and that's the place that we must start with this relationship with God. And we need to know that the word light and holiness are interchangeable. It's because of God's holiness that there is light. Now, is this light, you know, what, what does the word light really mean? Is it the kind of lights that we have in our home? It's the kind of lights that we have on the, the front of our car that, that illuminate you know, where we're going at night. Or is it like the sun? Well, I, I think the, the light from the sun is a close picture because you can't stare directly at the sun without doing damage to your eyes. You, know, you learn that as, as I hope, hopefully you learned that as a child. <laughs> I did. Because I've stared at the sun a couple times, it's not a good thing. The light of God 
is the very essence of his holiness. We sang that old hymn this morning, holy, holy, holy. Because that is an attribute of God. That is the, I think, quintessential attribute. According to the Gospel Coalition, the definition of holiness is this. The holiness of God refers to the absolute moral purity of God and the absolute moral distance between God and his human creation. To better grasp how we're to have a relationship with God, we have to know more about his holiness. We really need to examine that. This week, I had the privilege of going back through that old hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. You know, and I saw something in that that I'd really never seen before, which God is really good at that. It's why I love doing what I get to do, spend time in Scripture. God reveals these things to us, even though I'd seen it, and I remember singing that, you know, way back, First Baptist Fort Stockton. But the words holy, holy, holy is a quote from Isaiah 6. Isaiah repeats these words from what he heard in a vision in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now the Bible is very clear that this attribute of this this one attribute of God, he is holy by the seraphim's own statement. Now anytime words in scripture are repeated, and we see this in the life of Jesus. If he was, as they were walking, he and the disciples were walking along and he would be teaching them. And if he wanted them to really pay attention to something he was about to say, he would start the statement with the word, truly. Or if you read the King James, it's verily. Okay. And the word truly literally means this is true. And then he would tell them what was true. He got their attention. For example, in Mark 11, verse 22 and 23, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And then there were times when Jesus would really want him to get what he was saying. So he would, repeat the, he would repeat the word, truly, truly, or King James, verily, verily. In essence, he was saying, it is true, it is true. And then he would make the statement. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. 
So when, when Jesus would repeat that word, he really wanted them to get what he was about to say. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as he spoke the words of Scripture, didn't make a mistake. And he used repetition because repetition works. And before English teachers taught that, God taught that. He knew it before the English teachers did. Okay. Here in this passage in Isaiah, the words holy, holy, holy. But the seraphim are given testimony to one of the spiritual attributes of God. And this is the only attribute of God that's raised to the third repetition. Holy, holy. Holy. Nowhere in Scripture do we see any other attribute raised at that third level of repetition. We don't see mercy, mercy, mercy. It's an attribute of God, but we don't see it raised at that third level of repetition. We don't see gracious, gracious, gracious. And we don't see love, love, love. Those are attributes of God. But folks, there's only one raised to that third level of repetition. And that is his attribute of holiness. It is true. It is true. God is holy. 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 Amen? Amen. Thank you. Now, in his holiness... We see this in, in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message that we have heard from him, that is from Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. So God, in his holiness, is light. To examine his light, we have to recognize that God spoke light into existence. In Genesis 1, first three verses, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was light. God's light, light like everything about him, is absolute, is perfect. And it is not able to be overcome by darkness. And you, you may have seen at times movies where there's light and darkness comes in and tries to push the light out and there's this, there's this battle that goes on. You know, I remember thinking that when I was a kid that you know God's perfection and and his plan for us, and then Satan's got this darkness, and they're doing battle, and we really don't know which way it, it, it comes out. Oh, yes, we do. We know exactly what's going to happen. When the light comes on, darkness leaves. Instantly. It's when I was scuba diving, in my experience with the tree snake. <laughs> when my light was off, it was complete darkness. But the instant I turned the light on, 
what was in front of me was illuminated. That's what God's light does. It obliterates darkness. And we could even turn off the lights in here, but we would still have light from outside. And, I mean, I'm looking over at the electrical room closet over there, and I can see a little darkness under the door, but guess what? If you go in there and close that door, you'll still see light. See, God's light permeates darkness, period. And there's no pushback from darkness against light. It cannot do that. Darkness cannot resist the light. Please get that. Darkness cannot resist the light. In physical form, darkness can't push back against light. In spiritual form, the darkness of our enemy Satan cannot push back against the light of God's holiness. He cannot. One of the books that I was introduced to in this study, um, it's a book called From Behind the Veil by Peter Lightheart. Excellent treatise of, of the book of 1 John, of the epistle. And according to Lightheart, as he talks distinctly about the light of God, there's three things we need to consider about God's light. First of all, God's light is Life. Okay. Life comes from God's light. From the very beginning of Genesis, when light was spoken into existence by God, it appeared, and it was then apparent, that life comes from light. And in opposition to that statement, life cannot exist long in the absence of light. Throughout history, we know that some of the most terrifying and horrible experiences that people can have in a prison system is to be completely isolated from other prisoners, other people, and in complete dark isolation. It's the worst form of punishment there is. Life is not easily sustained very long at all in complete darkness. And it's often reported by people who have been put in a sensory deprivation chamber. And I have, okay, as a psychology student in graduate school, we had in one of our little classrooms a sensory deprivation chamber. And I saw it, I examined it, and I was like, hey, I want to experience this. <laughs> That's before I became a scuba diver. Um, and so my friends that I trusted, plus there was an emergency escape on the inside, I made sure of that. <clears throat> they put me in there and closed it. And it was, a, it was a chamber about probably three feet by three feet and about five feet tall, and there was a place to sit down. And you literally, you could bang on the outside of that thing with a hammer and you couldn't hear it on the inside. So you were, I was deprived from any sound and I was deprived from any light. And within about three minutes, I started, I started seeing little sparks of light. Were there sparks of light going on? No. But I started hallucinating. And the brain creates the need for light. 
And so then I opened the door and I was like, okay, this is it. I'm done. <laughs> Never went back in there again until I went scuba diving. Okay. But those hallucinations were very real. So Jesus spoke that light is life. We see in John 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So life comes from, life comes from the light of God. Secondly, God's light leads the way for us. The same God that spoke light into existence at the beginning of creation provided light for his people in the Exodus as they were leaving Egypt and going into the wilderness. And at night, he provided a pillar of fire so that they could see their way. And it went before them, and that light led them. Same way that light leads us today. Even though we're not fleeing from Egypt, we're on our own wilderness trek, are we not? There's things about our lives that we're just not sure about. We don't know what's coming next. So God leads us. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, The Lord went before them, that is the Hebrew people, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they may travel day and night. The light of God and how he leads us remains true today as we walk in our life. We live in a dark world. We do. We live in a, in a world of evil, of sin. We're, we're, we're experiencing consequences of that right now with the second wave of, I'm not even going to use the word, but this illness that's been going around and affecting us and impacting us. It impacted us this morning that our praise team was reduced to one. And Grace did a great job this morning. Thank you. So the rest of our praise team, illness is hit. Okay, so we live in a dark time. We live in a dark place. But God, in his design for his chosen people, lights our way as we walk in his light. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp in my feet and a light into my path. Now, the kind of lights that we prefer, at least me, I've got a spotlight at home that's a five million candle power light. I mean, it'll shine a beam a mile away. Okay, it lights my path. <laughs> That's not the kind of light that God was talking about. In lighting our path, it's more like a candle or even a little oil lamp that was very familiar in those days. Had a little bitty flame. And you'd hold it in front of you and it would light about a two to maybe three foot circle in front of you. Just enough to safely take a step and that's all. But guess what? As you took a step, the next three feet were lit. So you could take that step, and so on, and so on, and so on. 
That's the light that God provides for us. He shows us our direction. We've got a very real situation with a group of 10 individuals in this fellowship right now. For the last six plus months, the pastor search team has been walking one step at a time. I think I could guarantee, I just will, every one of us would love to be able to see the end. You know, to have that five million candlelight power to know exactly who this person is and how it's going to happen and we want, we want all the details. Guess what? God hadn't revealed that to us that way. He's revealed it to us one step at a time. And I will say this, we're closer than we were a month ago. That's all I can tell you right now, but we're, we're, we're closer, which is a good thing. God is lighting our steps. <clears throat> he illuminates our steps one step at a time. So please continue to pray for your pastor search team. And then the third thing that Lightheart points out, God's light exposes what's in the darkness. Just as when I was scuba diving, and there was, it was right after John's, our oldest son's graduation, we went on a, his graduation trip to Cozumel, and Adam and John were both certified divers. Laura's also a certified diver, but she wasn't with us on that trip. It's um, <clears throat> before her and Laura got married. So, but me and John and Adam went on a number of dives that week, and we did we did several night dives, and. It was just always in my mind. First of all, I, I could remember the tree snake from several years before. But as we, were, as we were swimming and diving, I would also wonder, if I turn the light this way, is Jaws going to be there? You know, is something sneaking up on me? So periodically, you just kind of turn and look. <clears throat> but that's what light does. Light exposes what is in the darkness. The light of God in His holiness. As we spend time with God in fellowship, His light exposes what's in us. It exposes the darkness that's existent in me. It's the stuff that we invite in. It's the stuff that we allow to exist in our lives called sin. My mentor, Dr. Bob Hamilton, was pastor of Ridgecrest Baptist Church for over 15 years. And he told me on more than one occasion that we can know when we've been in the presence of the holiness of God. For when we walk away from that, we have a deeper, more profound understanding of the darkness of our sin. When we are in the presence of the holiness of God, His light will reveal what is in us. And we will know 
more clearly the depth of that darkness of our sin. But that's not the end of the story. Because along with that, he reveals that through our confession, through our repentance, and because of the blood of Jesus, we have eternal salvation through, from God through Jesus. We have that forgiveness and we have that cleansing of our sin. In Ephesians 5, 11 through 13, we are told, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. <clears throat> and when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Because God is light and in him is no darkness, God also judges those things that are done in darkness. Through the light of the Holy Father, all sin is exposed by this light, by his holiness. And it's visible to God, and it becomes visible to us. <clears throat> Again, if we ended it there, we'd have no hope. However, but God. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 4. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What then are we supposed to do with this truth? First of all, John stated clearly in our focal passage today about God, this is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is life. In him no darkness, is no darkness at all. So secondly, God is light. He is the only one who lights our lamp. Psalm 18, verse 28, For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. <clears throat> Third, the way to fellowship is provided to us by the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. He desires that fellowship with us, then He makes way for that to be possible. And that's through Jesus. In Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So then the last point, to guide us through this week and through our lives. This is our daily assignment. Okay. 
Romans 13, 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's what we're called to do. We're to walk in the light. The light of God. We're to walk in fellowship with the Father, a holy God. We're to walk in fellowship with the Son. We're called to love one another in Christ and have fellowship with one another. We know that the light of God, the holy God in whom there is perfect light, and he reveals his absolute moral purity to us. While that light can be and is awe-inspiring, same reason we can't look into the sun, we can't stand it. Okay. Looking into the light of God, we can now through the lens of Jesus. Prior to that, and we know the story, I haven't got time to go into that this morning, but you know, Moses wanted to see just the, the passing of God. And God said, you can only see my shadow. He would have been obliterated had he seen the full glory of God. So we know that in Scripture. So that it's awe-inspiring. It creates this reverential fear of that perfect holiness of God. But again, because of Jesus and for the sacrifice that he made, that light is absolutely inviting. God draws us in. He draws us into that light. He draws us into that holiness so that we can see his light and we're not distracted by darkness. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Next week we're going to continue this search into light. We're going to be looking at what the darkness is. Spoiler alert, three-letter word called sin. Okay. But we know the answer. So we're going to examine that answer more closely next week. Through Christ, to the Father, we, for, we find forgiveness. We find cleansing through that fellowship with the Father, with our fellowship with the Son. Pray with me. Father, we do come before you and we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for being our light. We thank you for the fact that in you there is no darkness at all. That you are holy, holy, holy. And even in our sin, you choose us and you draw us to Jesus. That light, while awe-inspiring, is inviting. Father, we thank you for that truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.
And we're going to make transition now to our Lord's Supper that we share each week. And if you're worshiping with us this morning online, go ahead and get your Lord's Supper elements ready. In just a moment, we're going to, begin, we're going to share this meal with each other. And I'm going to invite the elders to come on up and get ready to pass out the elements. And as we're there and ready, then you come forward, take your element, and go back to your seat, and then wait, and then we'll present that we will partake of the supper together. So y'all come forward.